The back key of Ballytour was where things used to be. That grey building on the corner of Toomey's Lane had been the Garda Barracks long before it was upgraded to the glass and brick box up beside the hospital. Kyo's hardware shop used to be housed in the big double-fronted stone premises, the name still legible above the large windows smeared with the mysterious milky wash of abandoned shops. Few could remember it, but the tall, thin building with the narrow door had been the town's only bike shop. Now it just seemed to be awaiting its own collapse. Cleary's garage remained open, an apron of oil and grease spreading across the road. But these days, most car owners gravitated towards one of the newer garages, further out on the Cork Road. Peering over the shabby patchwork of roofs along the back quay was a strangely genteel terrace of houses. It looked out of place, like a guest who was hopelessly overdressed for the occasion. Formal in a way that made it unlike any other street in the town. Stable Row ran between Toomey's Lane and Barrack Hill. Just seven houses long, the small front gardens were all edged with the same metal railings, elegant rather than ornate. Most were well maintained. The people lucky enough to live in one of these houses took pride in their homes, aware of their good fortune. An ungenerous neighbour might have described them as smug. Doors were glossy, windows clean, the gutters weed-free. Originally built for the British officers who had come to the town as part of a small garrison, the short terrace still felt more Anglo than Irish. At this time of the morning, all was quiet. Mrs. Buttimer, now widowed from number one, was away visiting her sister in Dublin. A poster for a missing cat, faded and damp, hung from the gate of number two, all hope now drained away. A bright plastic ride-on tractor toy was parked neatly on the path leading to the front door of number three. The children ferried off to school a couple of hours earlier. The morning light glittered as it struck the small crystals hanging in the windows of number four. Jenny and Arthur Beamish could never have been described as hippies, he was a retired accountant, but they embraced the trappings of middle-class bohemia. They had hung some wind chimes by their front door until Mrs. Buttimer had complained of sleep deprivation. In number five, old Miss Cronin sat unobserved in the kitchen, a rug over her knees, the radio playing classical music she wasn't enjoying. One of the carers would return later to give her some lunch. Number six had just been sold. No one could believe the price they paid. Madness. A young couple, apparently. They had yet to move in. He was something to do with the chemical plant out by Crinor. Next door, at number seven, a woman was standing by one of the first-floor windows. At first glance, a passer-by might have described her as young, with her slim frame and loose denim shirt. Her hair was pulled up into a messy bun, two plastic pens sticking out of it. A closer look would have revealed her drawn face, the dark circles under her eyes, her hair streaked with grey. This was Carol Crotty, almost fifty. Her gaze wasn't directed out of the window down towards the river or across the roofs of the quays to the other side of town. Instead, she was bent over a folder while she chewed the top of a third biro. Carol had lived in number seven for less than ten years, and she wasn't ready to leave. <laughs>